Hi, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth McGuire. And, and this, this is, is Talking, Talking Lion. Lion. And Noah. Yeah. I think I'm writing a book. Yeah. <laughs> I think I am writing a book about gambling. Yeah. I am writing a book about the music industry. I'm writing a book about gambling in the music industry because that's what we're doing. Right. And we were thinking of like breaking up instead of having like these sort of these chat episodes that don't necessarily have like a focus, though we will be doing chat interviews with like other disciplines. Yeah. We're thinking maybe breaking up some of the artist interviews by just reading chapters of the book and stress testing whether you agree with them, yeah. whether I agree with them, ha- having, you know, re- read them over. Yeah. Uh, and I think maybe, that's a great way to troubleshoot troubleshoot a book like this. And, and maybe if, if you, dear listener, agree with them, um, you know, you could hit us up in the comments or DM us. Uh, we're always happy to, I'm always happy to interview you and get your experience <laughs> to see whether, you know, uh, you've been gambling in the way that you want to be gambling and all this. So, this could be great. This could be bad. I could be writing a book. I could <laughs> give up on this in two episodes. But I think this might be like a, a way of of figuring it out, um, especially because I think so much of what I've learned as an artist and as somebody in the music industry, I've learned through our debates. Yeah, uh, I've learned them from being wrong. In a sense, as wrong as you can be in a very like opinion based right. thing, but you and I, especially at the start, used to go really back and forth about our, our thoughts on on being in this. Yeah, not saying that you need to disagree with everything I write, or else I will be very sad <laughs> and be uh, and, and take it very personally. Well, you do you do make some good points on on occasion, <laughs> <laughs> every once in a while. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll we'll see we'll see how how uh, how long it stresses. You yeah, know? We'll I'm see. excited. So, without further ado, this is the Gambler's Guide to the Music Industry. Okay, part one, the introduction. We're all gamblers when it really comes down to it. Every day we walk outside, we become factors in an insurmountably large game of chance. The good, the bad, the beautiful, and the ugly are all happening to someone, somewhere, all the time. Always improbable, but not impossible, we're all at the mercy of luck. A quick search will tell you there's a .0002% chance you'll get struck by lightning this year. Footnote number one, according to the CDC. A .273% chance you'll get into a car accident in the next thousand miles. Footnote two, according to eSurance, and a point zero 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 seven one five percent chance you'll win the lottery, based on picking six numbers from a pool of forty nine. Footnote number three, based on picking six numbers from a pool of forty nine. We live in strange times where the unexpected happens almost every hour of every day, and the globe can transform drastically with every lap around the sun. We all gamble daily, hoping that the winds of change will gust in our favor. To that end, there are many areas of life we don't actually gamble on. If you buy a can of soda from a store and hand the cashier $2 or however much soda costs where you live, your odds of getting that soda for that money are 100%. That certainty is so obvious we don't even pay attention to it. But if the cashier said while you were checking out, for $2, I will flip a coin. Heads, you get the soda. Tails, you don't. Suddenly, your soda buying experience has become a bizarre and illegal game of chance. 
We have a certain legally protected expectation of exchange, one that eliminates chances when it comes to how we spend and receive money for goods and services. People know how much soda costs, and people take hourly or salaried positions to know exactly how much money they'll make for the work they do. This security overrides the daily gambles of life, creating some semblance of order within the chaos. But where does that leave you? You, the artist, the musician, the songwriter, the producer, the manager, the creative whose ambitions can't be contained in an office or punch-in, punch-out lifestyle, whose value can't be contained in a salary. You, who sees predictability as a creeping kind of death, who wants to change the world one song at a time, who wants to create something great and be remembered for it. You, with the stars in your eyes. Gambling is defined by Merriam-Webster as the practice of risking money or other stakes on games of chance. And to that end, you and I are gamblers. In one form or another, you've spent money on this music game without any guarantee of return. Maybe you've just purchased your first instrument. Maybe you've just hired a producer for your second single. Maybe you've brought on a publicist for your third album. Maybe you've taken lessons or gone to music school. Maybe you've just downloaded your first DAW. Or maybe you just moved out to Los Angeles or New York. At the very least, you've purchased this book. One way or another, you've thrown in your aunt. Welcome to the game. I've been a professional gambler for most of my life. I've been an artist in a band called Sleeping Lion, songwriter, producer, manager, and dot connector in the music game for the better part of a decade, eating and paying rent off songs and good decisions. Despite coming from a creative family, the there's no money in music rhetoric was always present, even as iTunes and LimeWire in their way was democratizing the music industry and artists were first going viral on YouTube. I had this sense that many people, not just artists, considered making it in music to be a kind of roulette wheel or lottery, that the zero-sum nature of the game was getting worse with saturation, and that the perfect storm of good music going viral was mostly in the hands of luck. And for the most part, it is. That will always be true. What I didn't realize until recently was that while gambling is inherently always at the mercy of luck, professional gamblers apply their skill and work like hell to avoid relying on luck altogether. While you can't be a professional roulette player, lottery ticket buyer, slot puller, footnote number four, to stay alive, casinos are designed to always get the better of the odds. You can be a professional poker player if you have an understanding of the game and the people playing. It all comes down to quality decision making. This book is a guide for anyone in the game of music to make quality decisions. This book isn't a lot of things. This book won't talk about the legal specifics of record deals, the complicated history of copyrights, or how to make your band an LLC. Footnote number five, for that I recommend Everything You Need to Know About the Music Business by Donald Passman. This book won't suggest marketing strategies, DIY publicity stunts, or how to go viral on TikTok or whatever star-making app slash website is popular when you read this. Footnote number six, for that I recommend How to Make It in the New Music Business by Ari Herstand. This book won't give you financial advice, and it's worth noting now for legal reasons that I'm not an expert in any legal or financial capacity and cannot give advice on these subjects. What I am is a financially stable gambler, and while this book may not cover the specific nitty-gritty of the music business, it will dive deep into the decision-making processes that can be a reliable tool for you in this ever-changing industry. These strategies can stay with you and help you even when various aspects of the music industry inevitably change and evolve. This guide will cover determining your value, starting your project, building your team, creating slash releasing your single slash record, negotiating deals, songwriting slash production, shows slash touring, managing artists, and additional creative income streams. We'll apply gambling theories and principles to define what could be considered a successful decision or, more rarely, a successful outcome to improve your goal setting, determine when to take a loss to win later, and manage expectations. Throughout, I'll share case studies of good and bad decisions made by myself and my musical peers, including whoever uh, winds up (laughs) being interviewed in this book. To analyze how we came to those decisions, 
and what we would do differently or the same if given another chance. So, without further ado, let me deal you in. And that's the introduction! Nice. Uh, do you like it? Yeah. No, I, I remember you you, re- you read that to me when you first wrote it. And I was like, yeah, that's a that's a good introduction to a book. I mean, you know, it's it's hard. I'm trying to put myself as much in the shoes of, like, someone who doesn't, like, know about... I mean, it's, it's tough because I've been so steeped in all of the soup that kind of birthed this book in the first place. So I'm kind of inherently on board because it has also been the air that I've breathed for the better part of a decade. It's also the only chapter you've heard in advance. From right. here on, it will be complete blind yeah, t- taste test. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to, to dive into it. But no, I mean, yeah, I think I think it's a great intro. I think uh, it it's very neatly sets up the basic proposition, which is that, uh, one, this book is not like all the other books that are in similar in a similar vein or similar kind of like general music business, music industry advice type thing. But also, yeah, that this fundamental question of, uh, I think one of my, one of the strongest sections of this intro is where you draw that distinction between like not being able to be a professional slot puller or lottery player, but, that you can be a professional poker player. I think when you're confronted as an artist with how much luck factors in to being successful in your field, it can be completely demoralizing. Like, oh, okay, well then I'm basically just playing the lottery. But I think framing it as, no, if you if you know what you're doing and you take agency over your decision-making, you're playing poker. And like, there is a sport there. There is like a series of optimal decision making like there's a way to wrangle the luck in your favor and that i think it like that's the value proposition of the book and i think like laying it out really clean in the beginning is 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 very strong i like it i appreciate that a lot and i think since writing the intro because that's the first time i've i've read it since writing it Mm. um i think since writing it i have been slightly demoralized by how much more there has been a push towards capital L luck-based systems. Right. Um, you know, the, obviously, like, the algorithms of TikTok and the the sort of label strangleholds on Spotify and just sort of what, what all of that's kind of looking for. But in a lot of ways, too, uh, I saw a TikTok of a... Um, I forgot what band he was in. It was a, a guy who had been in a band for like 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was he was sort of going through it just like MySpace. MySpace is where it is. Instagram, Instagram right. is where it is. And just a, a reminder that like the wheel will always turn. Yeah. And definitely. so I'm not writing a book based on how I'm feeling now or how the industry is looking now. I'm writing a book about how to assess how much, how to assess how potentially successful you can be in this in whatever current system you are, or whether it makes sense to maybe wait mm-hmm. for the wheel to turn. Exactly. Yeah. Um, or or to find other ways of approaching it in the meantime, you know. I think we've talked at length on on the show about how hard TikTok has been for us. Yeah. But that it is a good tool for specific people mm-hmm. and could be a, a good tool for us, but who's to say? Yeah, you know? exactly. But does that mean that like, if we don't do it on TikTok, that that's all we have? No, because there's going to be something else. Yeah. Every time there's a saturation point on anything, there creates a level of uh, pain. <laughs> yeah. Like there, there winds up being like a level of frustration and what startups are always trying to do and what any company's job is, is to address pain points, 
So, you know, I think I think the more a system starts to get saturated, the more the system starts to kind of suck for more people. Yeah. Um, the, the more new system potentially can come along, you know? Um, so that was my takeaway. Like reading it was just sort of like, yeah, fuck, I'm I'm not as hopeful <laughs> as I was writing it. Right. But that's not why we're writing. Yeah. You know? How how do you feel uh, from a hope standpoint? Not necessarily maybe having read the chapter or read the introduction, but if you were to like pick up this book right now, right? Would you feel like it was speaking to now or would it does it instead sort of speak to you as an artist, you as somebody who just wants to learn. Yeah, I also I also really liked the kind of, uh, I mean, slightly more saccharine, but I think very, like, pretty well done, like, you know, you with the stars in your eyes uh, component, because, like, I think that's an important emotional string to pull. And I, I felt, even just reading it, I was like, wait, yeah, I mean, like, the irony that really hit me over the head is, like, now I am, like, I took a salary position to, like, weather the storm a little bit. Uh, and it's... I've been constantly trying to like get back to the part of myself that that does have the stars in my eyes. Like this is, you know, I got into this game because ultimately I believe on a fundamental level that the value that I can provide to the world cannot be reflected in a salary position anywhere. Like that is like that's the that is my thing, like at at the end of the day. So I think that this book, to to the best extent that I could place myself in a neutral position, I feel like if I were to pick pick up this book, I would I, that would resonate with me. Like I, I would, I would be like, it, it would pull just enough curiosity to be like, okay, what does this guy have to say? Because like that, he that is me. I, I am the, I am the target demographic for this book at this moment. Well, and I think that I want to be like realistic in the book. Like I think that um, in later chapters, I'll, I mean, I dialectic. You know, I, I will show you how tough something can be, right, and what the worst case scenario could look like. As as anybody who goes to Vegas should, I, you right. know, I, I just went to Vegas, right? And I, you know, took out two hundred dollars. The worst case scenario is I lose two hundred dollars. Actually, the worst case scenario is I take out more money and I also lose that money, right? But uh-huh. the uh, I do think that like knowing what the worst case scenario can be is very important, you yeah. know. But also on the other side, I do want to be really encouraging and also reward or just like emanate a kind of pride for anybody who has decided to do this. Yeah, definitely. And also to not, on that same token, not shame anybody who does have to take yeah. those salaried spots. I mean, th- there is no... Yeah. I said this when we first started. There is no nobility to being a starving artist. You can do the artist thing and do it smart. Like, you can... You can Make sure that you know where your rent and your food is coming from, yeah. and not have that, not have that discount in your artist project, or or even freeze your artist project. Yeah. It's about balancing, obviously, yeah, those definitely. those pieces. But also that, yeah, I do want to encourage the people who where this is the this is the thing that's on their mind. I, I just went on on a vacation to Mexico, and the thing that I think broke my heart the most was that I couldn't shut my brain off. Yeah, that we aren't clocking in and clocking out mm-hmm. even though you and I both have just recently taken like somewhat more stable gigs yeah. that have more clock in clock out times you know but yeah that that we have this unique ability to have a great idea and have that mean something and have that be valuable and i think that i really do want to 
encourage everybody to, to be to try to find breaks, but also to let you know that you're not alone in the feeling of like, oh my God, like why can't I shut off? Like why can't mm-hmm. I? Because you're always looking for, you're lo- always looking for the score. You're always looking for the game. You're always looking for the table, you know? Yeah. Even like, great poker players while they're playing the game are doing side bets. Right. You know, like if you are in this mentality, you're in it. Like this is who, this is fundamental to who you are. Mm. And I think that I just want people to feel included. Yeah. And people to feel like it's not scary to enter this. I also think that this touches on something that I think is probably going to be important going forward to at least like address in some way or another is that I feel like, maybe this is painting with too broad a brush, but I feel like gambling tends to have a somewhat negative connotation. I feel like like maybe the layperson hears gambling or if you were to just say to someone who's starting out to being musicians, like, hey, did you know that being a musician is a lot like gambling? I think certain people might get defensive because they might see gambling in in the in the through the lens of gambling addiction or like exploitation or that it might have this connotation of something that like going broke blowing of going, up. Yeah, yeah yeah like something that like people like intelligent people don't gamble and i, I think it's going to be an important thing of the book to to drive home that like i mean we're all gambling whether we like it or not if we're in this industry but also that it, that doesn't have to be a dirty thing that that's like that playing i think and i think it sets it up nicely in the beginning too that like we're pl- all gambling yeah that playing with chance is kind of just a fundamental part of the human experience and especially being an artist in, in the current economy. So if you're going to be gambling, you might as well do it well. And do it with something that you like, or yeah. something that you maybe are good at, you yeah, know, exactly. um, or is, is sort of useful to culture or whatever. I think at some point I want to write like a little section on privilege mm-hmm. and about how, you know, gambling deep stack, like when, you know, when a loss means less or whatever, when you don't have to take on, you know, a job to support yourself or whatever, yeah. that does change how you approach certain decisions. I also want to talk about, like, I'm trying to figure out how to put this in the book, like these little pockets of philosophy, mm-hmm. like my own sort of philosophy of like uh, about around privilege and also around risk taking, because I think that our generation is particularly interested in risk taking mm-hmm. because the paths that were set out for us the go to college, get a degree, get a stable job, all that, whatever, you know, buy a house. All of those things have kind of been taken from us. Like the things that we were told aren't gambles. Mm-hmm. The paths that we were told are like the stable paths have more or less been kind of fucked for us yeah. by the older generation. And so I think that in a lot of ways, we are looking more towards the arts, looking more towards freelance careers, looking more towards... Even just like on the stable side, like jobs in the stock market, playing the stock market, you yeah. know, the the YOLO, you know, Dogecoin, right. GameStop, NFT, whatever bet. Like we're all kind of getting more into this idea of we need to get out of our current situation and th- the path that we were told can do it doesn't exist anymore. So we're all a little bit more, I think, prone to gambling. But of course, why does pursuing music feel like more of a quote-unquote gamble than being a, a stockbroker or, yeah. or something like that, you know? And I'm going to explore that, I think, for sure, because it's an impo- it is an important. And you're right, there is a stigma around, yeah. around gambling as if we haven't 
been gambling. Right. As if anybody could have predicted yeah. COVID or could have predicted, you know, any massive change in the in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's where my head's at. I'm glad your head's there too. Yeah. I think addressing that soon. Um, I'm trying to address that and the who the fuck am I uh, right. part as soon as possible. Yeah, like, definitely. Why, why am I writing a book? Right, exactly. Who's this guy who can't do shit? <laughs> yeah. It's like I did some things. Yeah. I think. We've made it this far. We made it this like, far. That's, you know, I think that's on on my worst days. Like I, I try to like really zoom out and take stock of like just that regardless of how I feel about my career, that like I am happy and healthy and alive and I have had a career in this industry. And, uh, you know, that's a, it was a series of decisions and, and hard decisions. There were times when we might not have made it. Yeah. And we did. And we, yeah, and we pulled through. So like, I think that, the, you know, is anyone, and, and you know, that's the other thing is I feel like on this topic of like, why someone might be qualified to give advice or write a book. Like, I feel like the vibe I get from any, any uh, keynote event or like interview with a successful person, they don't, they're not necessarily more qualified to tell you how they got there than someone, you know, someone who isn't as, doesn't have as many material accolades because most of, I feel like what a lot of that advice boils down to is, just keep going, or I got lucky. Well, Bo Burnham said, like, you know, you can't ask a lottery ticket winner right. how they won the lottery. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you buy tickets, and that's not bad advice. Yeah. Like, just keep buying tickets. You know, if that's like, I do think that a lot of, you know, in, in tech, runway is, is oftentimes just to get, you know, your product to market. Right. You know, like the runway that you have, the, the money that you raised in tech or in, you know, in startups in general is so that you can build your team, build the product, get, you know, get the MVP, minimum viable product and get it, get it to market. I think for artists, you're, you're trying to make money and you're trying to stay maybe in LA or New York or whatever, like just so that you have tomorrow to make a TikTok. Yeah. As opposed to maybe going to your job. Or you go to your job and you come back and you make a TikTok. It's yeah. like or that just that you have a song and then another song and then another song. Like you're just trying to keep going. Yeah. And keep your runway for whatever's gonna catch, you know? Yeah. So so that's why, yeah, that's why we we always say you and I is like we're just buying time. Yeah. Whenever we would get like a big check, we'd be like, cool. So that's six more months that right. we can do this, you know? Before we have we, to like, we consider, live to fight another yeah. day. Yeah, exactly. And that's just that's how we've lived for years. And like, it's you know demoralizing at times, but I think also it's a life that I'm proud of. Yeah, and I think that that's to the extent, and, and I know you feel similarly. And I think that that I think is enough to to justify you know detailing like a book. And also, yeah, I think if nothing else, it's also just this i think what's what i was talking about earlier with the with this intro paragraph like just this fundamental connection between professional gambling and what we do in the music industry is just a nice uh, you know observation a nice framing device for thought and you're the first person to come up with it as far as i know so <laughs> if nothing else that i think that justifies you to to go ahead and run with the idea well and i think that like i like where where i sit on like the passion to do it and the motivation to do it is the same that sort of created the podcast, which mm-hmm. is that I really do want to demystify a lot of this. Yeah. We don't talk about money a lot in the music industry. Yeah. It's super, super taboo to talk about it unless you're kind of making a lot of money. Yeah. And then it's kind of shit to hear. Yeah, exactly. And so like I feel like a lot of 
I get a lot of DMs from people asking, friends and strangers asking, how do I afford to move to LA? You know, when do I make an LLC? Which I'm not talking about the legal logistics of making an LLC or whatever. Yeah, but, but there but is there is a like financial a financial like yeah. There, there's like metrics that aren't like legal. Uh, it's 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 you know, yeah, financial, but also yeah, just from a decision making perspective, there, it's it's a it's an interesting question of like when you pull that trigger. There's you know, and I and I'm oftentimes just like I'm often asked. Oh well, if I pay this much to clear the sample, is it worth it? Right. If I, you know, am, do I make a music video or do I make five like lower budget music videos that maybe are more like TikTok friendly or whatever? Like, yeah. I've been asked very often, just like, what's the right call? And I mean, years and years of uh, split sheets and and like negotiating a deal of like really leveraging the the many various factors of all the various streams of income and music. Like, am I going to take points on this record? How many points am I going to take? What is the nature of how I get reimbursed for those points? Like there's like, apart from all the like career decisions. Yeah. There's also just like so many micro decisions and like, you know, there's, there's a lot of good literature on like just understanding these systems. Cause like you have to like just get your head around like, all the weird kind of labyrinthine, like the snake nest of like music laws. But like, but how do you decide what you want? But how you say, yeah, like you could understand all the pieces of the game, but then there's still that question of like, well, then what is the right, what is the right call for you? Cause there's, you know, there's never going to be like a one size fits all answer, but you can start to, I think that's basically what we've done over the last yeah. like, like eight years is just build up a better lexicon of like what might be the right decision. Because for some people, just taking a fee on everybody that they work with is a good call for them because yeah. what they're interested in is a certain stability. They're interested in, you know, making a certain amount every month, you know, which again, no shame to that. That's a way of playing the game. Yeah. But if you believe in an artist or if you believe in like the development of the art, that artist, or maybe you're haunted by like the the person who didn't take that five percent of Nike, right? You know, exactly. Instead, took the two hundred, you know, two hundred grand. We're playing games of equity here. Mm-hmm. Like I know somebody who had like five percent on one of the biggest songs of the last twenty years, and he literally sold his equity. Mm-hmm. Like he actually like to to sold the percentage he had to somebody to to buy a house, right? Like we can just play in equity and that has a value that is variable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you have equity in Dreams by Fleetwood Mac and you think, oh, you know, I'm making this much in royalties over the course and then some guy on a skateboard 25 years or 30 years after the song comes out suddenly blows the song up again, you know. Yeah, now the, yeah, the, the equity is worth even more. Yeah, you know, so it's just all very interesting, I think. And... I grew up not super close to the industry. So mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff I didn't know was available. A lot of these like questions that I had, you know, Google didn't have them and my like the people around me didn't have them, you know, like I, I'm from a small town and it, a lot there is a lot of mystery around our industry, I think intentionally. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when I'm bringing this into the book, but I do want to talk about the intentionality of ignorance in our yeah. industry. Who benefits from you, the listener, from you and I, not knowing what's going on. It, it lets certain privileges really benefit. Mm-hmm. And exploit. And exploit 
people not knowing these things. Yeah. And so I think it is really important to to have as much information in there because you have more leverage than you think you do. You can have more control and change, I think, some of the things that I think labels or or people in the industry have taken for granted yeah. uh, that they shouldn't have. And I think that the more that we can educate, you know, the, the better. So that's kind of where what's driving me is just sort of demystifying it, at least just for the kid in the small town who just doesn't know where to start. Yeah. Because in a lot of ways, the only reason I'm in this or, you know, by extension, we're in this is because somebody told me where to start. Yeah. Shout out Halsey. <laughs> right, exactly. So we started. So um, that's the first part. That's yeah. the first. And this is, you know, the first episode sort of diving into it. And uh, we'll be doing them every every other week. Hopefully you guys like it. If you hate this format, let us know. <laughs> and we will stop immediately. And I will cry to myself. <laughs> but hopefully as it goes along, we can all like learn something together. And I can learn through this, you yeah. know, so I'm very excited to get into the to, to the weeds of. Uh, I think this, this is. I'm excited to like really start picking apart like a case study, you know, mm -hmm. and like really like unpack like whether it's in our career or someone else's career. I think those are both really interesting questions of like almost like a sort of post game analysis of like, well, what could like what could have gone differently here? Yeah, I think that like there, we don't do enough post mortems. I don't mm -hmm. think anybody does. And right. in video games, it's a big deal when you finish a video game, mm -hmm. you do a post mortem, which is you look back on your entire process of creating the game and you say, well, what could I have done better? What could have been improved? Like, and I think that's so important, but we don't do it because yeah. we're just always looking, you know, looking to the future. And I think they call them Monday quarterbacks, which is where like people the next day are like, well, if he'd done this differently, then right. we would have won the game. Right, but I think right, it's, right. there's something to be said about about sort of Monday quarterbacking, right? Um, especially when it comes to not making the same mistakes over and over. Well, again. I mean, yeah, the best quarterbacks go, are like immediately after the game are back in like watching the game tape and watching themselves and having that critical lens. So. Right, right. Really cool first episode. I hope you guys like this format. And we will be back in a week with a new artist interview and in two weeks with with the next chapter. The next chapter is on choosing your role mm -hmm. because a lot of people think that you have to choose one. Sometimes you do have to choose one, but also sometimes uh, you are multiple and you should know what each one entails so you could do it the best yeah. that you possibly can and what the gamble of being each one really is. So thank you everybody for listening and we will talk to you soon. Oh,